Welcome everybody to the Christian Marauder as we explore prophetic fingerprints from history and how they point to the end of days. Well folks, Thomas Jefferson wrote this, Single acts of a tyranny may be ascribed to accidental opinion of the day, but a series of oppressions begun at the distinguished period, unalterable through every change of ministers, too plainly prove a deliberate systematical plan of reducing us to slavery. Thomas Jefferson was absolutely correct in that. This has been happening for ages now. Jesus warns that the last days will be like the days of Noah and Lot, when such slavery will be achieved while the righteous remnant of God escapes the wrath to come. Whose side do you want to be on? Would you like to be able to look and identify the prophetic patterns seen in history that point to the last days? That's what we're going to look at today. The Jewish historian Josephus, in his historical work Antiquities of the Jews, describes what it was like during the days of Noah. This provides a prophetic snapshot on what to look for a time when slavery is sold as freedom. In the Antiquities of the Jews, Josephus writes in chapters uh, 1 verse 4 about the days leading up to Noah that Jesus speaks about to watch for, and how the serpent, how the devil with malicious intent persuaded Adam and Eve to partake of the tree of knowledge by telling them, and I quote, telling them that in the tree was the knowledge of good and evil, which knowledge, when they should obtain, would lead a happy life a life not inferior to that of a god, and persuaded both to despise the commandments of God. To be a god indicates a need for an elite, godlike class to control it all, that makes all happy, however so, the godlike wills. We see this template play out in Josephus' account of Cain, Abel, and Seth, leading up to the times of Noah. Pay close attention and see if we are approaching the days of Noah and Lot that Jesus was describing. Abel, he was the younger, he was a lover of righteousness, and he believed that God was present in all his action. He excelled in moral virtue. He lived to please God. That's what Josephus is telling us. But Cain means is a name meaning my possession. He was named by Adam and Eve. My possession meaning this is my beloved firstborn son here, you know. But Cain took that and twisted that meaning to I will possess Everything is my possession. That was the attitude of Cain. And in fact, Josephus brings this out very clearly in Josephus there, chapter 2 there in chapter 1. He, and I quote, But Cain, meaning my possession, was not only very wicked in other respects, but also was wholly intent upon getting. And he first contrived to plow the ground, end quote. Okay, upon getting, that means his entire demeanor was, I'm going to possess, I'm going to get it, I'm going to make it easy street. He was listening to a fallen watcher, wasn't he? The book of Jasher makes it plain, he was following an enlightened dragon, the serpent and the fallen watchers, that was enslaving him to possess it all by following the devil's ways to be a happy controller and take everything as a possession. Cain's Therefore, killed his brother Abel, and violence against God's moral virtues and standards and righteousness and, and, and violence against God's presence now entered the world in order to build it back better in the image of Cain, the controller, the possessor, I'll possess all. 
Next, Josephus tells us how God cursed Cain, along with his posterity, to the seventh generation, casting him and his wife out of Eden to give him time to repent of his wicked ways. And conflict entered the world, and the ways of Cain were born. So, in Antiquities of the Jews, chapter 2, Josephus reveals something about Cain's character traits, his true character, what he was really like as a human being. And chapter 2, too, reveals that Cain, and I quote, wanted to procure everything that was for his own bodily pleasure. Through it, obliged him to be injurious to his neighbors. He augmented his household substance with much wealth by rapying and violence. He excited his acquaintance to procure pleasures and spoils by robbery and became a great leader of men into wicked courses. Cain also introduced a change in that way of simplicity wherein men lived before and was the author of measures of weights. He changed the world into cunning craftiness. He set boundaries about the lands. He built a city fortified it and he compelled his family to move in with him you can rightly say cain was humanity's first tyrant a chief leader of men and spread that mindset to his children and grandchildren for example tubal cain and i quote exceeded all men in strength and was very expert and famous in military performances he went after the pleasure of his body by war and invented the art of making brass so tubal became greater possessor than cain thus in warfare, thus in taking things for his pleasure to maintain his easy, lackadaisical lifestyle. That was about, you can become a god, lays around by taking by force what your brothers and sisters have, okay? Then there is Lamech. Lamech means wild and powerful one. He became extremely skillful in matters of divine revelation and made these known to his wife. This points out the fact that Lamech became skillful in the art of maintaining contact with fallen watchers on how to escape divine punishment through occult light, to control through words, rituals, and magic and divination, and have these assist to intimidate, oppress, and exploit any who opposes Cain's new world order that, it, that he wanted to impose upon people. Okay, that is the idea here. I don't have time to go into all the details about Cain's family line and do that. We can do that later on if God's willing. But right now, Cain's line was a leader of human beings that were controlled by fallen watchers. The book of Jasher helps bring that out clearer, okay? And it follows the Bible, too. It just brings some clarity to the scriptures. And this began throughout history, the foundational rise of the occult world, New Age movement, political philosophies, all geared toward one world government for Easy Street, guided by these spiritual entities in order how to get there. And we see that, and as a matter of fact, throughout world history. And you will see a rise of narcissism as the means to be godlike and happy, just like it says in Timothy chapter 2 or 3 there, where it talks about men in the last days becoming lovers of self. In Antiquities of the Jews, chapter 2, 2, tells how Cain's progeny, and I quote, became exceedingly wicked, everyone successively dying, one after another, more wicked than the former. They were intolerable in war, venomous in robberies, and if anyone were slow to murder people, yet they were bold in this behavior, in acting unjustly and doing injuries in, for gain. It was all about possessing it all. And I'm just quoting right there from josephus next in chapter two it tells of the birth of seth which means compensation and how seth could discern what is good 
he became a virtuous man josephus tells us and that he was of excellent character and how he taught his children to imitate these virtues and pass them on to successive generations and this in fact held in check the wickedness of cain and i gotta tell you folks when you follow god's uh, ways and means and be a light and salt to the world uh, it will curtail and push back against the wickedness of cain truth does that and chapter 2 2 explains more and i quote and all his children proved to be good dispositions they also inhabited the same country without dissensions and in a happy condition without any misfortunes falling upon them till they died so what you have here you have a picture of seth and his family line to the seventh generation and and when they followed god you'll find this out in just a second here we'll, we'll explore this more when they were following the lord in excellent a character and, and imitating walking in the light of god things went well and, and the lord made peace with their enemies folks i gotta tell you when you follow the lord when you follow the lord the lord's blessings overtake you but if you act like cain you're going to be at war with everybody trying to possess if you obey the lord he blesses you okay so what we learn is this is that god calls people to return to him through seth's line in the bible in chapter 4 of the book of genesis it tells you that through seth men return to the lord so god calls folks to return to the lord he wants them to pass on what they learn to successive generations which god blesses and things go well however this is forgotten and many later fall away which in turn brings about cycles of revival then returning back to the lord and his ways then a falling away like what occurred in the days of enoch just as the bible plainly teaches this is all brought out in the historian josephus and jasher and other books out there of that time period of the second temple period all point this out this is a prophetic pattern seen throughout history god shows great grace to all even the wicked when they see the error of their ways and return to him this was a time of grace as well as time of conflict there was increasing violence and then there was civil peace then there is a falling away as it was leading up to the days of noah and lot when returning back to god was totally rejected this is brought out in antiquities of the jews josephus book here in chapter 3 1 and i quote now this posterity of seth continued to esteem god as the lord of the universe and have an entire regard to virtue for seven generations but in the process of time they perverted and forsook the practices of their forefathers and did neither pay honors to god which were appointed them nor had they any concern for justice toward men but for what degree of zeal they had formerly shown for virtue moral virtue they now showed by their actions double degree of wickedness whereby they made god to be their enemy this happened in the days of noah okay so let me interject here this is what it will look like in the times of noah we'll see ushering in god's good people will drift away and join in with the wicked and fall under the spell of fallen watchers i'm telling you this is what this is what it's talking about paul in second thessalonians chapter 2 mentions a great apostasy will happen in the church for a reason a great falling away folks one of the things is that we are as christians and christian parents is to pass our knowledge of god and our way we live our life as a reflection of honoring god to our children who would then carry it on what happens in the days of noah that stops 
and something else takes over the governing of children and teaching and instruction of children and the world's and cain's ways began instructing them and then all hell breaks loose and good parents send their kids off to school and wonder why they come back all messed up following wokeness and all this stuff as it was in the days of noah we will see this prophetic fingerprint and pattern again in bucketfuls and people who formerly loved god will turn around and drift away totally and suddenly they god is viewed as their enemy of all fun they can't get their gets or something and we'll see this doctrine brought into the church as well as we'll soon see the bible warns that this will be seen in the last days leading to the last days as well as culminating when those days will happen it'll be a time when the doctrines of demons proliferate false prophets arise perilous times come there's very little if any repentance in the and the church world is always looking for easy street methods and rituals to attain what one can possess does that sound familiar to anybody mm -hmm. doctrines of demons proliferate false prophets arise because people are strayed away from moral excellence do you get the picture the spirit of cain spread to seth's line teaching that god is their enemy and moral rot is their most closest friend the world acts that way be cool be hip and that possessing everything is the name of the game it's out to get your get the luciferian light will give you all your desires god is your enemy recall that cain's progeny were world leaders of their time in contact with fallen watchers making god appear as the enemy teaching all to possess everything to control it all in order to es escape punishment try to live forever like i brought out in part seven of one of my videos here of this series prophetic fingerprints in the last days we're going to see the same forms of reasoning capturing the world's wealthiest greatest men the movers and the shakers the elite ruling class of the earth today push for one world government control with them possessing it all many of these folks are actually occultists like i brought out in my other's video and they're under the influence of the same ascendant masters and spirit guides and seeking higher truth in other words this is high order luciferianism seeking some sort of in-depth light to guide them into a utopia and these that light influenced these great men and these great merchants of the earth to attain easy street for them and redistribution for everybody else to make a fair and equitable world for humanity's own betterment where they own it all you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it you can only rent like klaus Schwab says and and anybody can live in your apartment they just come over and and, and you can't do anything about it it's paradise or parasites what can i say they want to combine the tech the digital biological to monitor and track and remake humanity in order to control all aspects of life you will see this mindset possess it all in the last days coming and bearing fruit to a degree and a level where it can actually happen and we're seeing that because they want to to combine the technology digital and biological and put everybody into the internet of all things to monitor and track and remake humanity so they can control it all they, they're they're at the doorsteps ready to do this julian huxley earned the title in 1962 of the humanist of the year he's no saint he was a member of the communist colonial bureau of the british fabian society and head of unesco and had this to say about education for the future and i quote 
its education program, UNESCO can stress the ultimate need for world political unity and familiarize all people with implications of a transfer of full sovereignty from separate nations to a world organization. Political unification in some sort of world government will be required. So folks, how are they going to achieve this? Well, they will take over the media, the arts, the entertainment. They will steer education for a globalist mindset. They'll steer science, the military, and the police, and all political ideas to be under their control in order to establish a utopia for the controllers and a dystopia for everybody else. They seek to redefine the family, assassinate gender, control chaos, burn the system down, create massive debt, massive death, massive suffering, all for the public good, so they all become good collectivists. They erase differences and what it means to be human. All they want to do is well, like what Klaus Schwab wrote in his first edition book of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. It's a white cover book. It's on page 14. Digitization is automation. Digitization is automation. They want to put the, all the stuff inside of you, make you like a transhumanist cyborg, and so you can be an automation that they can control. That is their goal because they want to, they're like, they're under the spirit of Cain. They want to possess everything and control every aspect of your life because they know how to live it better than you do. I like what Alexander Slorinsky said. He's a famous guy, escaped communism and all that. Listen to what he said. Human beings are born with different capacities. If they were free, they are not equal. And if they are equal, they are not free. That's a profound statement. I got to tell you, what these people follow, what these Luciferians follow, is all about erasing human uniqueness and all abilities. It is all about integrational equity, meaning everybody are the same. No one is special. There are no differences, folks. In the days leading to the last days, we'll see a push for this collectivism of Cain to possess it all, seeking to gather from the ground all one needs, humanity. Why? To live on easy street. In the, in the days leading to the last days, we'll see times when people return to the Lord, but this slowly ends. The church has been infiltrated with the mindset of Cain, like Seth's seventh generation was, and they dropped the ball. They stopped passing the torch of discernment. They dropped the torch of living by truth. They dropped the torch of living justly. They dropped the torch of how to live righteously before all and before God. And most importantly, they began to drop how to live faithful for God and exchange it for possessions. Uh, see, the spirit of Cain has entered the church. We'll see this vanish away on a large scale when the great men and women of the earth, they begin to pass on because they're due to old age, you pass on. This explains that happened in the book of Jasher. The great men who helped spread the message of Seth on living right before God passed away. And there was none arising to fill their shoes. And we are seeing that now folks. Chuck Missler is gone. Where are the, who's filling his shoes? Where, who, who's filling some of these great men of God's shoes that are passing away? Think about it. It'll be a time when people think they're serving God by possessing the things of God and have more knowledge and gifts and anointings and experience. That's all it's about to them. How can they possess more and more? 
In the last days, there's going to be a time when much of the church falls in line with the world's easy street prosperity, seeking rituals and formulas and methods and ways to rise on easy street. And when they do, their children see the craziness, they reject it, they go to school, they come back, la, la, la. Or they see the church so dead, they don't want nothing about it, okay? And they learn all this stuff, and they learn that God is their enemy, they want nothing to do with them, okay? When much of the church falls in lines with that easy street mentality, that is what happens. And during the days leading to the end times, that is exactly what we will see. We'll see much of the church parroting what Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. But they never honestly define what wicked ways are that one is to return from. Why they reason that that would be very offensive to people. It's not seeker sensitive to step on people's toe to expose their wicked ways. Uh, it's, you know, they have it all defined as just this and that, but they just fail to understand what it is. They, and also they would say in reason, God wouldn't say that to people. Uh, that would be unlovable to say that kind of thing that you have wicked ways in you. That would be so unkind. God's not like that at all. So most of the church leading up to the end times will remain all about teaching self-help, self-gratification, self-aggrandizement. Thus, many will stray away from standing for faith and spreading moral vir virtue that restores order and plenty and blessings from the Lord God back into the land like it was in the days of Seth, folks. They forget that. They have no faith in God whatsoever. And what happens is God gives them grace to change. He gives, but what they do with God's grace is it's all about give me, give me, give me more. Give me things, but not the standards and the ways of the giver to guide me and how to use them. I, that's old-fashioned. That's outdated. We need the new. We need to be lazy. We need to possess everything. Hallelujah. Be a good Laodicean. We see the result of all this mentality. We'll see it again in the last days, if not already entering into it. The world is falling apart, isn't it? Spiritual warfare is getting hotter, and many pay no heed to this, nor even know what to do. So they attack each other, right? In Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is the message to the state of the end-time church divided in seven groups of people. Five out of the seven of the end-time groups of people in the churches are called to repent. Most are not aware that they're in conflict at all with God, at all. They think they're doing the right thing. Wow, how can that be? Easy. They were swayed by the spirit of Cain. There's no need to repent at all. We just need the stuff. We don't need the giver unless he makes us feel good. That's the reasoning. Spiritual warfare, if you did not realize this, involves repentance. Did you know that? This is not taught much these days anymore in the church world, in case you do not know that. It was at one time. Unrepentance, folks, is what opens the door for the devil to come in, the fallen watchers to, to really uh, mess things up and make you enjoy being robbed blind by distracting you with the promises of Eden. It'll all be yours. It'll all be yours. Just all about the stuff, folks. The church at Ephesus, for example, started out okay, but left their first love for Jesus in exchange for the cities of Ephesus' patron false deity Diana, Artemis, the huntress. The love of God now uh, was demonstrated how much they loved God by hunting souls, by ensnaring them with legalism, or ensnaring them by calling them heretics. And however, these guys were the best heretic, true heretic hunters out there, and God commends them for that. Yet they corrupted this virtue by including the innocent in their hunt with no mercy. They left their first love. 
Can you see how subtle this stuff is? For example, the Pergamum Thyatira type of people actually were helping bringing Satan's throne, his fallen watchers, right into the church to influence the church to achieve Easy Street. Thyatira simply was all about allowing a, a, a controller to be in bed with government world leaders in order to control the world. All these are folks are told to overcome, but they chose the way of Balaam. They chose the way of false prophets. They chose the way of this and that. And the Bible warns us about false prophets in the end times. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Do you see what's happening, folks? People want the stuff. These people in Pergamum were all about Satan's throne, giving you stuff, giving you blessings, giving you follow this ritual, follow this law. You ascended a here. You got your instructions out and you teach everybody how to get blessed, how to be a success in five easy steps just for 1995. And everything's going to be wonderful if you follow this method. Okay. That's the idea of Pergamum. The idea of Thyatira was to control it all. This was the mindset. This was the mindset of these people, folks. Sardis had a lively name. He had, Sardis had a lot of activity, but were dead in ecumenicalism. And mocking that, Jesus will never return again. Or he's just not going to return. That's all. You know, the Bible is just not, it's not really inspired. It's just a book, you know. Again, there are some people in Sardis who do not believe this. But there, there were a lot. Most of them did. That it was an ecumenical type of church. And there was all about acquiring stuff. It was about doing, doing social justice. It was about bringing this junk into the church. And they loved that more than the giver of the gifts of the Spirit. And in fact, Laodicean type of people were, became lazy and in need of nothing. And they really enjoyed the easy street of Cain philosophy and idea brought into the church through prosperity messages. And uh, how to build your church to seek her sensitive way. And folks, all five were told to repent and overcome or will not be very well with them. So in the last days, are going to be a last call to these groups of people to repent and turn away. Five out of the seven are told to repent. All seven are told to overcome. Two of them do, do not have to. Smyrna and Philadelphia. We'll talk about those later if I have time. So with that, let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 13 through 15 and find out if anybody has any wicked ways in them, because in Revelations chapter 2 and 3, five of the seven churches had wicked ways, and they were totally blind to them, because they thought all about getting the stuff and becoming vast possessors of things, of works, of ecumenicalism, of having need of nothing in prosperity, having all the hoopla, have all the control, have all the gifts of the Spirit, have all this stuff. And, and being the best heretic hunk hunters was about getting stuff and prestige and favor from God, just like Cain wanted, and approval that he can own it all. Iniquity was in the heart. So people do not want to do what Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 through 15. And verse 13 says this, And the Lord said, If heaven is shut up and there is no rain, locusts, devour the land and pestilences among my people he explains what to do verse 14 says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i'll hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land now my eyes will be opened my ears intended to the prayer made in this place this is a biblical principle here it's a major major thing to turn away from wicked 
ways. What is a wicked way? The word wicked means warped and twisted. Uh, moving things and justifying, possessing the things of God and wanting what the giver gives, but not the giver. And, uh, and repentance is spiritual warfare because you've got to turn away in order to shut the door from the enemy from ruining your land. It's all God's saying. You open the door. This is how you do it. Turn away from your wicked ways that you're blind to. So what is one's warped and twisted ways? Yes, it's sin. Yes, it's iniquity. But how do you define these? Jesus tells the parable of the servant that was charged to take care of one talent of gold while his boss went, a, went away on a long journey. Instead, he buried it in the ground, reasoning if the master does not return from his journey, then this hunk of change is all mine. And if he returns, well, I just give it back to him and all as well. He's a hard man anyway. It did not go well for him when the boss returned and kicked him out. So it just did not go well for him with that attitude. The church of Sardis is like that, where many say, where is the promise of his coming? Jesus ain't returning, but if he does, he will accept us by grace. So in the meantime, let's be more like the world to reach the world for Jesus, right? Turn from thy wicked ways, folks. Turn from your wicked ways. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And he will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, have done many wonders in your name. I'm reading out of the New King James there, folks, for, the, for, for time's sake here. So I want you all to listen up. These people only want the stuff that gods give, like his power, his authority, his glory realms. And you want revelations. It was all about blessings. It was all about prosperity, but not about the giver. Only if they want the giver is how they make you feel inside. I feel groovy. The Spirit of God came down and gave me goosebumps. I feel groovy. It's all about getting stuff. It's all about self-giving, getting, getting, getting. They think like this. Since I have God's stuff, then God knows who I am. If not, he would not have given me this stuff in the first place, all the gifts of the Spirit. So I'm in. I'm cool with God. I have this stuff and use it for him. Therefore, he knows me because I'm a dispenser of his stuff to control my world. I have the Bible. I'm supposed to do this. And since the kingdoms of the world are his and what is his is mine, I got the stuff. So then if I do not have the stuff, then he don't know me. And since I'm not like those who don't have the stuff, this proves that I'm his and not like them because I have the stuff. Folks, people do this with God's gifts of the Spirit and the Word of God, and they do it with the Bible. Turn from your wicked ways. That's how somebody twists and reasons this stuff, okay? They twist it around, as seen in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and the angels, but not have love, I become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. They not have love. They don't love God with all their heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and others as themselves. Uh, all what they do is just about getting stuff. We can't gin up love for God and assume it. The Bible is clear that we love God first because he loved us and demonstrated that love through what Jesus accomplished on the cross and make us grateful that he saved wretches like us. So we stop trying to just attain stuff from God. The Lord God saved us because we were wretches. We we're enemies. That's what the Bible teaches. Not because we we're cute and quirky. He, we deserve wrath and not mercy. And he spared us from that wrath. And thus this should change us to surrender our lives to him with grateful faith that wants to be changed by him. And it's, and it's all about him. And not about getting his stuff. 
If you don't have that, loving God with all thy being, because he first loved us to die in our place, then all his spiritual gifts of speech are just a bunch of noise. You know what, folks? Would you like the Lord to say from you, depart from me, I never knew you, all you wanted was my stuff? Just like he said in Matthew chapter 7 there, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2 out of the New King James says, And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but not have love, I am nothing. Yeah, we know all about the words of prophecy. We know all about the words of knowledge, the deep things of God, all these goodies, all this stuff from God. We have faith to remove mountains. We got his stuff. Hallelujah. It makes us feel good, right? Yeah, well, you got the goodies. Uh, you make us feel real good too, Lord, with these goodies. But I got to ask you, do you know the giver of these gifts or are I just after his stuff for personal gain and prestige? I'm giving you a message, folks. It's painful to try to point this out. Do you hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches? What else can I say? Wake up. You, you need the giver. You don't need the stuff. The stuff comes because you're after the giver. The giver will give you the stuff, but it's not all about the stuff. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? God tests the hearts and many fail the test. Pergamum and Thyatira are just like that second verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and Ephesus 2. The Bible often says, Turn from thy, thy wicked ways, says the Lord, and I will heal thy land. Or, or will it be, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. A major part of spiritual warfare involves turning away from thy twisted mental gymnastics so you become good stewards of God's stuff and not squander it and buried in the ground where it's trampled underfoot by your actions and deeds. So people look at it and do that as they watch your antics. Okay? So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2 out of the New King James. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give all my body to be burned, but not have love, it profits me nothing. Yep, you got the gift of motivation. You got the gifts of administration, ministry, teaching, exhortation, leading, lending and leading and giving and mercy. But do you know the giver of these or you just want out for the prestige of, the, of, of exercising these? These gifts, all of them do not belong to you. They belong to the Lord. They're on loan to you. It's not for twisting these to be rich and in need of nothing, Laodicea. 2 Corinthians 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So the question comes, do we know the giver? If we do, we love God with all our being. How, as 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 through 7 says, Love suffers long, is kind, love does not envy, does the, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked easily, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, expects all things, endures all things. So folks, if you know the giver, you will be in the process of shining God's love around. That's what the gifts are for. That is what the stuff is for. Not for you to attain possessions of power and prestige and head trips. He hopes all things, endures all things. If you know the giver, you will be in the process of shining his love around too. That's what the stuff for, to show God's love, not for our glory, but his alone. So you will always be about the giver, not just what you can get out of him. Sadly, so many churches are only about getting God's stuff. And if that don't work, gloss it over with self-help and being a better you. Easy Street comes with one more formula for success, 
All this, folks, is just wind, okay? Do you realize that repentance is part, part of spiritual warfare? In the time period leading to the end times, there will be calls to repent. Return to the Lord heard again. But near the end, many will just want to stop. They don't want God. And that's what happened in the days of Seth. It was all about wanting the possessions that God had and his goodness and his blessings and the peace that he brought, but not the giver. So I got a question. Are we there yet? Well, you got to tell me. The Smyrna and Philadelphian churches understood this and lived like Seth, discerning what was good, virtuous, and being shaped by repentance into one of excellent character by God's hand, chiseled by the chisel of grace, and teaching others these virtues and helping them pass the torch on to other generations. And they had a good dispositions toward God and each other. They loved each other. Folks, spiritual warfare involved repentance. So I got to ask. Will we be found trustworthy to speak the word of God with all boldness? Speaking God's word in a trustworthy way is spiritual warfare, but we'll talk about that more next week. So with that, let's pray, okay? Heavenly Father, forgive us of our faults and ways. Take away our pride and forgive us for misusing your gifts, words, and stuff. Have mercy on us and release us from the sway of the wicked one. We have opened the door to them by misusing your things for our glory. Forgive me. I humble myself before you. Fall on my face. In Jesus' name, forgive us for just wanting your stuff and misusing it. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Restore us to the joy of your salvation. Cleanse us by the blood of Jesus, and we will be clean. Revive in us a right spirit, filling us with your Holy Spirit, so we can overcome and shine as your lights amidst the dark days that lay ahead. Not our light, but as your light to a lost world so that they can know you as the only true God, the giver of all blessings. I ask for the Holy Spirit to fall upon each person listening here and empower them to be able to overcome and fall upon us now so we will stop using you for just stuff. Forgive us in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So with that, folks, I want to close out the message. Stay tuned to next week as we explore more topics and prophetic fingerprints and kind of wrap up this series and go on to another topic but folks there's a lot more i i just thought i would spend a little time on what spiritual warfare is so people will understand it and uh, they understand what all that is and what it will do and how what it looks like and it's it's about repentance and walking true to god so with that but for now let me state that censorship is real if we are cut off, I'm going to ask you to please go to the Daily Renegade 2.0 website and become a member today. And if you like this video and what I'm doing here, i like you to share this video, ring that bell, and please consider supporting what I do here by looking at your screen for my contact and support information and just help me out. With that, I want to ask you to be blessed in Jesus' name. Stay strong and overcome in Jesus. And remember, remember what it's about use ezekiel chapter 13 verses 17 through 23 in this high order spiritual warfare against the very people who are demonized to practice what they think is goodness and mercy by taking away freedom liberty and rights and making you an automaton easily controlled easily manipulated you got to do battle against them so with that you all take the war to the enemy in jesus name amen